pushing buttons and pulling triggers. This is Gun Funny. Welcome to Gun Funny episode 232. Today I'm going to chat with Dave Castro, discuss a new bill proposed in the Senate to prosecute people who are denied in a NYX check, highlight a wild new concealed carry pistol, and talk about residents of a Dutch town planning to egg a yacht. I'm your host, Ava Flannell. Dave, how are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks, Ava. I'm just uh, in California at the uh, the ranch that me and my brother own in, uh, near Monterey. Just got done shooting and now hanging out, talking to you. Nice. I'm curious to know what it's like living in California, being somewhat in the gun industry. But before we get into that, I'm going to talk about Smith & Wesson real quick. The new Shield Plus from Smith & Wesson is now available in the brand new 30 Super Carry cartridge from Federal. It has the same footprint as the 9mm version, but with the 30 Super Carry, it actually fits two extra rounds. Compared to the 9mm, the 30 Super Carry, it means that it holds 12 rounds in the flush mag or 15 rounds in the slightly extended mag. It's available optic ready with night sights and has the new flat face trigger which in my opinion is actually a lot better than the original shield trigger and better than a lot of the aftermarket triggers that you'd probably use. You can get them with or without the thumb safety. MSRP on these is $5.95, just like the normal shield plus. Check it out at smith-wesson.com. Learn the things you never knew on deconstructing the industry. Okay, so Dave, before we get into California and stuff like that, you've made quite a name for yourself in the fitness industry, but for those who may not be familiar with who you are in the firearms industry, can you just give me a breakdown of just everything that you do, including the fitness industry? Yeah, so I was in the military for a dozen years prior to getting involved in CrossFit. And actually, that is how I got involved with CrossFit. I started doing it while I was on deployment. And there was a three-year overlap where I was working for CrossFit and still active duty. Eventually, when I got out, I got into the shooting sports while I was still working for CrossFit. And I then started uh, meeting a lot of people in the industry, getting connected with a various number of folks and kind of created some relationships and some companies that like what I represented in terms of you know, I became a very public persona in the fitness world, specifically in CrossFit mm-hmm. for the things I did in CrossFit, uh, specifically creating the CrossFit games. And uh, and I was not afraid or shied away from promoting the uh, active lifestyle I had with competing in the shooting sports, specifically at the time, USPSA. Uh, I used to shoot a lot, shot open division, kind of moved away from that right now, shooting a lot of long range. But Again, through all of that, there was a lot of brands who who really seemed to appreciate how I represented myself in regards to the firearms industry and fitness. And so started working with different people and, and it's been fun, met a lot of cool people and I enjoy the crossover. And in the last few years, I've really got into hunting, specifically hunting pigs, because there's a lot of pigs out here in California. And that's just really broadened what I do with firearms specifically. Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. Let's go back to CrossFit for a second. So when you got started in CrossFit, how long ago was this? So in 2005, 2000, yeah, late four, early five, I was in the Navy. And at the time, we were deploying to Afghanistan. And we were doing these missions where we'd insert by helicopter basically on one side of the hill. You'd hike up and over the hill, and then you would um, take down the compound, mm-hmm. and then you'd hike back. And I just felt like, and at that time, I'd been a SEAL for probably six or seven years. I felt like the conditioning and what I was doing for training wasn't working for me. Mm -hmm. And naturally, especially with some of the endurance. So it was like a lot of endurance into high intensity efforts back into endurance. That type of mission I just described, that's basically what was going on there. And so I figured, okay, so I need more endurance. I should probably start increasing my running. I was a pretty good runner. I started running more. I still didn't feel like it was translating well to the battlefield. At the time, I was really big into climbing, rock climbing, ice climbing, mountaineering, all types of climbing. And we came out west with the team for a climbing trip in Yosemite. And uh, the guide we hired, his name is Mark Twight. He was big in the uh, alpine world and the climbing world. He has a few books on training for mountaineering. And one of them was called Extreme Alpinism. I think that was his book on on training. Mm -hmm. And uh, he outlined the type of training he did for climbing these mountains. And it was all LSD, long, slow distance training. So I figured that was a good way for me to train. Well, when we were in Yosemite on this climbing trip unrelated to fitness, I started picking his brain. And I said, hey, so tell me about your LSD training. Tell me about how you train for these mountains. And he goes, I don't do any of that. And I was like, blown away. I go, what do you mean? You wrote the book on it. Mm -hmm. And he goes, yeah. He goes, I do CrossFit now. And I go, what's CrossFit? And he says, it's this high intensity workout with clean and jerks and deadlifts and pushups and pull-ups. And it's really short duration. And this is how I train to prepare for mountains now. And it blew me away. I was like, wow. So this guy, he trained for decades using this other method, found CrossFit, and it's basically changed his life. So I left that trip, not converted to CrossFit, but I started researching CrossFit and I started diving into the the journal articles and looking at the videos and and watching CrossFit.com, all their videos and content they put out. And I was really intrigued by it. And frankly, I was really scared. (laughs) And that's funny saying I was scared because here I am a Navy SEAL who's deploying overseas. Mm -hmm. But what I mean, I was I was afraid of the movements. There was a lot of foreign stuff to me, like clean and jerks, like snatches, like even some of the, um, you know, weighted movements that we had never been exposed to, or I personally had never been exposed to through my training in the Navy. So I kind of shied away from it. Actually, on one deployment, I got a friend, a good friend of mine who was on the same team who was really into training to try it out. He actually thought I was doing it because every day we'd go into the room where we could log on to computers and, and check the internet. He'd see me looking at the CrossFit website. And so one day he started doing it. And then I just monitored his progress and he saw a lot of results from it. And I was like, okay, if it's good for Dan, I think I I can give it a try. And so eventually I dove into it, started training with the methodology. And like, it sounds cliche and cheesy, but saw instant results and just uh, felt better, performed better on target and getting to target, felt more prepared, was stronger, faster, just everything I needed and, and quickly fell in love with it kept training, stayed with it, eventually came out to California for some training. And when I was here in California, near um, the ranch I grew up at, there is Santa Cruz, California. Santa Cruz is right down the road from the ranch. 
And that's where I knew the, like the original CrossFit gym was, the founder was the, the home of CrossFit. And at the time, all the videos related to CrossFit were, were coming out of there. So I drove over there and met the founder, Greg Glassman. And he has always been, especially at that time, he was always a huge supporter of the military. And he found out I was in the Navy and he was really um, gracious. He said I could train there for free. And so I started training with them at the original CrossFit gym. And slowly that developed, and, and I'll say this over the course of a few sentences, but the complexity with which happened there was immense. But he asked me to start helping at seminars. Slowly I started helping at more and more seminars. That role grew. And then, you know, I became basically a full-time employee of CrossFit in probably less than a year. Wow. And this is after you left the Navy? Well, no. So this is, there's a significant overlap. So this was at 2006. I was stationed at BLI. So I was, I was going to, <laughs> I was going to school to learn Spanish. And I laughed because I didn't grow up speaking Spanish, even though both of my parents did. I went to school to learn Spanish. And at this point, I can't speak Spanish. So, um, <laughs> but I really, I've wanted to speak Spanish my entire life, but I, I had it for a little bit after I went to uh, defense language and stupid, then lost it. Yeah. So I, I started working with CrossFit while I was at DLI because it was close. It was in Monterey. DLI's in Monterey, CrossFit's in Santa Cruz, really close. Then I got stationed in San Diego in Coronado as a BUDS instructor. And while I was stationed there from 2006 to 2010, I was working full-time for CrossFit. So basically, I was doing two jobs. And uh, because I was a BUDS instructor, I had a really fixed schedule. Like I knew exactly what my calendar year was. And I could do trips with CrossFit, travel on the weekends, teach seminars, do both and do the, the Navy job. But in 2000, basically 10, I had to make a decision. It was at the 12 year mark. Do I stay in, re-enlist and stay in? And I'd go back to being operational and being operational meant I'd be at a SEAL team and I'd be deploying. And I knew I wouldn't be able to do both jobs. I wouldn't be able to work for CrossFit or do I get out and work full time for CrossFit? Well, so in 2010, at that point, I had already worked for CrossFit for three, almost four years. I'd already built the CrossFit Games. The CrossFit Games were this massive event at the time, growing quickly, an event that was, you know, on the edge of just really being big. And so was CrossFit. CrossFit at that point was, was growing a lot too. So it made a lot of sense for me to get out financially and professionally to continue on with CrossFit. Mm -hmm. People always ask me if I got out because I wasn't happy in the Navy. I, I loved the Navy. I loved what I did. And if it wasn't for the opportunity CrossFit gave me, I for sure would have stayed in for 20 years. Yeah. Um, I also think <laughs> it's, it's going to sound morbid, but I also think I wouldn't make, I, I'd say that Greg Glassman and CrossFit saved my life because um, I feel like, you know, we were just riding the edge for so long and you did, you know, lose a lot of friends, saw a lot of guys go. I think if I would have stayed in, you know, anything could have happened. So mm -hmm. I'm happy I got out, would have stayed in if I, didn't have the opportunity because I did love the job. Yeah. Let's talk about the CrossFit games. You said that you helped come up with the idea and make it a reality. What was the idea behind it? So basically, Greg Glassman, he created CrossFit. He created a methodology. He created this style of training. And um, at the time, um, I was working closely with him at the, the time being 2007 doing seminars. And so seminars was uh, a big, it still is, it's a big part of CrossFit and a big business for CrossFit. You go, we go around the, the world now teaching the level one course to people who are interested in learning about CrossFit or who are interested in being trainers. And so 
that's what I was doing with Greg. We traveled to different parts of the country and world teaching seminars. We became really close. We became good friends. And one day I said, hey, you should come over to my parents' ranch in Aromas. So about 30 minutes away from Santa Cruz and check it out. I just want to show it to you. I had no agenda. I was just showing him as a friend because he was someone I cared about and we were, our relationship was growing. And so he came over to the ranch. I showed him the property. We were walking around the ranch and he says, hey, we should do an event here. And I said, okay, cool. What do you want to do? He goes, well, let's have a competition. And I go, okay. And he said, let's have the Woodstock of fitness. <laughs> and I go, okay, cool. And uh, he goes, I want it to be a big party, but I want there to be a competition with it. And I said, okay, when do you want to do it? And he said, July. And I said, okay, I'll make it happen. And so I started planning it. And we had a little competition in July, the July 4th weekend of 2007. There was about 50 or 60 competitors, maybe 100 spectators total. And um, we, someone won, a, two, uh, a male one and a female one. And we gave them like $500 each. And we called them the CrossFit Games champions. And that was the beginning. Mm -hmm. The next year, leading into the 2008 CrossFit Games, we had no like plan or vision or idea of like scaling or growing the games. We didn't even have like, we didn't think like it was going to be around, but Tony Buddy, who worked closely with us at one point said, Hey, are we going to do this? Are we going to have the 2008 games? I said, sure, let's do it. Let's uh, put a registration link on the website and see what happens. So we threw the registration link up and within like an hour, 200 people had registered oh and we gosh. were like, Oh man. Yeah. Shut down the registration, shut down the registration. And, uh, Let's figure out what we're doing. So <laughs> we planned the games for that year and we ended up having 300 people total. And like, it felt like maybe a thousand spectators came and we felt we had something like this was growing and this was turning into something more than we anticipated. The third year, the 2008 games, no, I'm sorry, 2009 games. That's when it was just really like, we knew we were onto something special. We had something cool. We had a few thousand spectators here. We had qualifying stages to get to the games. And then after that, it's just been growing to the point to where it is now. We have hundreds of thousands of people compete in the qualification stages. And then some of these athletes are just, some of these athletes are making seven figures and it's changing the lives of, of a lot of athletes and a lot of people in the ecosystem. Mm -hmm. So it, in 15 years, it really, it yeah. really changed a lot. Was it the first two years that it took place at your parents' ranch? The first three years. Oh, and then so the fourth. I can the, only imagine though. You're just like, hey, mom, dad. All right. So I'm going to have some friends here <laughs> and we're yeah. like going to, you know, see who's like the <laughs> most fit. And they're just like, okay. It, all right, Dave. <laughs> basically, uh, the first three years, the fourth year, we were actually planning to have it here again. But the county uh, got involved and said my land, our land wasn't zoned for, uh, yeah. for competitions. So they kind of kicked us out. But then in 2020 with COVID, we had like a bubble and we had like a COVID games here at the ranch. So we brought the games back in 2020 and also in 2016. So at that point in 2016, the CrossFit games were in Carson in LA, California. And for one day, 2016 was the 10 year anniversary of the CrossFit games. We flew them up here to the ranch and we had them at the ranch. Um, so there's been five games actually that have four that have been completely here and then one where they just came up for a day of competing here. Nice. Okay, I'm going to take a quick break, talk about primary arms. 
Primary Arms just got a lot of their popular optics back in stock. The SLX 1-6 by 24 SFP with the ACSS reticle for 300 blackout or 762 by 39, which is a really great affordable LPVO for only $289.99 or the SLX 1-6 by 24 FFP with the ACSS Raptor reticle, which is a mouthful, uh, is just a bit more for $399 which is obviously a great front focal plane scope. And for a little longer range scope, the SLX 4 to 14 by 44 FFP ACSS. Man, good thing this is written down because I wouldn't have remembered it all. It is only $329.99. Definitely check them out. And if you use the code AVA, that's A-V-A, you're going to get a free one-piece scope mount with every Primary Arms optic that you purchase. And that is at primaryarms.com. For those who aren't familiar with CrossFit, what is, because I know it's all kinds of stuff. I've tried it before. I personally, <laughs> I didn't care for it. It just, it was like too fast. I am like known for hurting myself. My thing about like right now when I work out, I just do bar, B-A-R-R-E. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's like low impact. Yep, it's am. like kind of slow, but that way you can make sure that your form's proper and, and I'm not going to hurt myself because Otherwise, I get carried away and I'm just like, all right, let's go. And then next thing I know, I injure myself. <laughs> <laughs> Question is, what is CrossFit? Yeah. So, well, basically, um, it's uh, functional movements combined with intensity. And oftentimes, your experience is driven by the coaching that you have or the level of coach that you work with. Meaning sometimes, you know, in your experience, in your case there, what, what you said you're doing with bar. Mm -hmm. uh, is fundamentally how you should even start CrossFit. So why I say that is we have a charter in CrossFit called Mechanics, Consistency, and Intensity. And what we mean by that is first, you have to learn the movements. You have to learn the mechanics. Then you have to be consistent with those uh, movements and that you're doing them safely. And then and only then do we add intensity. So intensity is the last piece. And for some people, intensity, it might take them two or three months before they're being pushed or before they're going fast. Mm -hmm. And so that's why in the beginning, I said the coaching experience is oftentimes uh, critical because a lot of people, their first experience, frankly, kind of like you're saying, ignores the mechanics and the consistency and goes right to the intensity. Yeah. And, and people, trainers do that because um, the intensity is, it actually is where results come from and it is fun and it is entertaining, but you really do need to start, especially with people who there's so many different levels of ability. You need to start people with, with good form and good technique prior to ramping up intensity. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. I've yep. noticed that a lot of people that do like three gun, or even if they're not doing three gun, just like a lot of firearms instructors or people that are just constantly trying to, I guess, preach like self-defense, they swear by CrossFit, not I mean, obviously, it's important to stay fit, but it like kind of gives you sort of that upper edge, I guess, from like defense tactics, I guess. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And even if you look at my experience with it, I found it not because I cared about fitness or because I uh, cared about looking good or looking or having beach muscles. I found it because I uh, wanted to perform better in the field. And basically, that's how a lot of other uh, military guys, and even when you look at SWAT cops and Green Berets and uh, the, you name it, 
it's proven in that realm for being super effective. And so some of the things you were just describing, firearms instructors or 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 all of those fields, they, mm-hmm. they, they, they came from similar backgrounds and or have similar requirements for fitness. And so, you know, the total body functional aspect of it where performance is the driving factor and not necessarily aesthetics is not only appealing to a lot of people like us, but also completely relevant in terms of the impact you get from the methodology to what you're doing. Mm -hmm. Well, and so as I started to get fit, granted 2020, like ruined my life. I was like the fittest I'd ever been in my entire life. And then 2020 rolls on by and, you know, my studio closes. Granted, they were doing online classes, but it just wasn't the same because I'd be like, eh, I'm sweating. All right, I'm going to take a break. Or, you know, I'd get distracted by anything in my house. So it just wasn't effective. But, you know, I was starting to preach that, like, yeah, you might be able to shoot a gun really well and, you know, clear malfunctions, draw from your holster, change out mags, you know, whatever. But if you are not physically fit and you don't have the stamina, And that's why even like now when I do my bar classes and sometimes you have to hold these positions and just move like an inch, an inch up, an inch down. And it's like you're dying. But to me, I'm just like, okay, I'm building that like just a stronger mentality. And again, it's increasing my stamina, which I think is key towards. I would say it's almost the breaking point that might set you apart from surviving and not surviving. For sure. And, you know, the mental aspect of diving deep into or the pain cave essentially through training that can be had through training is significant. And what I mean by that is because a lot of CrossFit workouts are so intense, you do go to a, a very dark place at times and you have to push through and doing that in training and in a workout for sure translates to other parts of your life. And because if you're never even going there, if you're never going to um, that place in training mm-hmm. in fitness, there's probably no other places you're going to, you're going to travel to that zone in. So if you have a traumatic situation or you have something you have to deal with, at least in some way you've trained to that zone, you've pushed yourself physically. So, you know, you can go to this place of survival mm-hmm. essentially. Yeah. It's funny. You mentioned something about uh, something else I want to talk about when I got really involved in the shooting sports USPSA at the time, I noticed how much people would spend on the latest gear, how much, you know, the guns are four or $5,000, even now in long range, same thing. People spend all this money on the best ammo, the best gear, best optics, but a lot of people spend very little time or attention on their physical fitness. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy because all these shooting disciplines, if you were, like you were saying, if you're just to devote a little attention to your fitness, that will help you in three gun in USPSA. And you look at a lot of the top USPSA shooters like JJ Ricaza, Shane Cooley, Shan, uh, Shannon Smith. They're all cross, they do CrossFit. JJ kind of does it off and on, but they all put a premium on fitness. And there's a lot to be said that some of the best shooters in the world are putting a premium on fitness where mm-hmm. that could apply to every, just the, the, the person who enjoys going to local matches just as a break. Yeah. I completely agree. You know, it's funny. So the first time I met you, it was last year and we were in Minnesota and we were recording some content that actually hasn't come out yet, but you were giving like unsolicited advice, like 22 Plinkster was there. (laughs) I think it was, I think it was Dave that you were like, you know, 
if you just did, I don't know, I forget, maybe you were telling him about his eating habits or if he just did a little <laughs> more cardio or something, and it was hilarious. <laughs> I didn't even know who that dude is. I still, I know the name 22 Blankster, but I, I don't know, like, I don't know his deal. Oh, I, I, and I learned from that. You guys told me then he was, he was kind of a big deal. He had a big following. But, yeah. um, but it, you're, just, like, you're just going around. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah. So here's the thing. You just don't want to forget leg day. OK, buddy. Like, <laughs> well, that's definitely not what I said. But but when it does come to uh, when it comes to food and eating, if, if I hear people talking about it, mm -hmm. I will definitely give advice because the conventional, the traditional methods of eating or, or ways of eating are pretty wrong. And yeah. frankly, it's it really what I'm talking about is lower carb diets than the traditional high carb diet. And I'm a bit a big advocate of high fat, high protein, low carb type of eating for yeah. performance and for aesthetics. Mm -hmm. hmm. What have you been doing in recent years? Because last night I was scrolling through your Instagram and I thought for sure, I was like, oh, I'm going to see like a topless picture of Dave. And I'd be like, oh yeah, look at those abs. <laughs> I mean, purely for, you know, I was just looking just to see if like CrossFit was something that was proven to show results, but I didn't see anything. I was a little I don't, disappointed. I don't ever, I don't, I do CrossFit, but I don't ever post, uh, shirtless pics because it, it, it wouldn't be what the world wants to see <laughs> interestingly on my instagram i did a purge probably about four or five months ago uh -huh. where i had a couple thousand posts on my main instagram and i just like archived all of them so i only have like i think 70 or 80 posts up right now oh, um, just i don't know i it was just like i didn't like i just wanted to clean my house clean yeah. my living room so i just went through so you probably didn't see a lot yeah i didn't the see other, my other Instagram account, the hunting one, TDC hunts, that's the one where I post a lot of shooting stuff and I have a lot of fun with, and I enjoy that one because, um, the big page, like when I post stuff on the big page shooting, that's what I call it. The other page, the big page, mm -hmm. um, I get, you know, there's a lot of hate and a lot of stuff. I don't care. Like when people hate on me, it doesn't, uh, I don't want to say change my behavior or change. Like, I'm not going to be like, Oh, well I can't hunt pigs. People don't like that. But, um, I, I just leave most of that stuff to the hunting page because there it's like, and people will still sometimes come there and hate on it, but, um, I just block them. I have no problem blocking people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it gets to a point where it's like, if they're not really adding any value or they don't have anything constructive to say, then it's like, why deal with it? Yeah, for sure. Exactly. And so your big page, just for those who know you have like what, 700, 700 something thousand followers, which is pretty significant. And I did, I was actually going to ask you, what was that like? Because especially being in California, not only are you in California, but also, I mean, fitness, I don't know. Cause actually today, the lady who owns the studio that I worked out at, she actually was like, oh, so I figured out what you do and you teach classes. You're like an instructor. And she's like, I want to take a class and get my concealed carry, which was nice because I didn't really, you know, it's hard to tell nowadays if people are into guns or not, just because the face of gun ownership is changing. But I would imagine that it's almost like, especially being in California and fitness and then guns, it's like two opposites that you're trying to bring together. Yes, but I'm also not trying to bring them together. So that's, that's like what I mean by, <laughs> yeah. So like, I don't like, like I live in California and there's no part of me that's saying like, I want to bring, or let me back up from that statement. There's no part of me that's saying I'm into guns. So I want to bring that into fitness mm -hmm. or I want fitness people to get into uh, guns. Like, I, I, when I show that stuff, I'm just sharing what I do and showing 
you know, my life and my lifestyle. And, and I know a lot of people don't want that type of lifestyle for themselves or don't care. And so like, I'm not trying to convince anyone to, to shoot or do anything I'm doing. Hmm. I really don't think, and we talked about this a little when we were in Vegas, I don't definitely don't think of myself as an influencer. And I definitely don't want to be a, uh, seen as someone who's trying to push their you know, let me take it back yeah except push any type of goal and yeah. even like david goggins who i know and like he um you know he's made his his little stick off of being the motivator and telling people how to do things and you know mindset and i don't like i don't want to preach anything to anyone because i don't want to be like my words aren't going to be the motive, nor should they be the motivation for anyone to get up their ass off the couch and do something. If anything, I'm going to motivate people through my actions and just doing, you know, working hard or, or doing something that someone wants to emulate. But I don't think it should be preached. Mm-hmm. That's me by nature. David's killing it. Goggins is killing it, doing it the way he does it. And I'm not hitting him for, you know, he's, he's doing well with it, but that's just not my style. And I'm not, I'm not interested in trying to motivate people or trying to like, even with fitness, to be honest with you, like with fitness, like here's the thing with CrossFit, it's fucking hard and you have to want it. Mm-hmm. And like, if you, if you want it, uh, I'll work with you. I'll teach you. I'll show you how to do it. I'll teach you the best way, best way to do it. But if you don't want it, like my goal isn't trying to convince people to do it. The aspect, the desire to do it, the commitment to take that plunge into it is a significant one. And it's something that someone has to find on their own. So I guess that's a long-winded way to answer your question about Basically, about that, but. what I gathered from all of that is there's a chance that you can teach me and work with me and try to make me a CrossFit <laughs> star. Yes, absolutely. That's what I gathered from all of that. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Because, <laughs> you know, I'm 35 years old now. Like, my metabolism is not working like it used to. <laughs> it's so Well, I'm 44, so, so I get it. Uh, yeah. I'm going to take another quick break, talk about IWI. If you guys have a thing for AKs, but you want something a little more refined, check out the Galil Ace from IWI. The Galil is a blend of the AK-47 and the Finnish RK-62, which makes it extremely reliable and accurate. The new Ace design has the charging handle on the left-hand side for better ergonomics, and the design includes modern polymers to reduce weight. It also has upgrades including a free-flow M-Lock handguard and a new trigger as well as less plastic around the magwell for easier mag changes. I have one. I'm actually going to be shooting it this weekend. Can't wait. Check these out at iwi.us. Remember, if you find any accessories in the web store, remember to use the code GUNFUNNY15, all one word, and that's going to get you 15% off, and that is iwi.us. Dave, I recently saw that you actually parted ways with CrossFit. Which is yes, that is crazy. Yes. So on January fourth, a uh, month and a half, a month and a few days ago, they yeah they fired me. So I don't work for CrossFit anymore. Did you like not pass a drug test or something? Like what happened? <laughs> <laughs> no, um, that probably it probably would have been better for them if that would have been the outcome. Right. They would have had a good reason for, uh, or let me say, a reason yeah. for doing it. <laughs> but. Um, it's complicated. There's a lot of different pieces, um, a lot of things moving or a lot of reasons being said and just, you know, a lot of unhappy people, yeah. uh, a few happy people too. So that I have to be fair there. 
something I can't really dive into too much at this point. Still working uh, on a separation agreement and going through all of that. So okay. uh, at this point, I had to stay a little, you know, yeah. closed mouth on it, but that well, might not be the case. Well, I do hope time. that, yeah, I hope everything works out for you. It seemed like from just, you know, just the few posts when you mentioned it, that a lot of people were like really upset to see you leave. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it was cool. It was cool seeing I got a lot of support from a lot of people. And mm-hmm. um, that was really cool seeing, you know, people were uh, internally, especially with at CrossFit amongst a lot of the trainers and some mm-hmm. of the people who've been there for a really long time, tons of support and uh, even support from areas I would have never expected. So it was yeah. cool seeing that. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So now let's talk about your hunting. So you mentioned that you enjoy hunting pigs, which is crazy because believe it or not, and I've said this before on the show, but I had no idea that these pigs existed. Like somebody asked me to go to Texas (laughs) on a pig hunt and this is a few years back. And I was like, Oh, little piggies, you know, like they're so cute. And they're showing me pictures. And I was like, what the hell is that? (laughs) Cause they're huge. They're ugly. They're huge. They're mean. They procreate super quickly. Like they can have, more babies in like what like it was a ridiculous like short period of time and they're extremely two two or three litters in a year yeah Yeah, it's it's crazy crazy. and how you just said you didn't realize about pigs in general like a lot of people don't realize how prevalent they are here in california yeah when you talk about hunting pigs most people associate uh texas and florida Mm -hmm. as like the place to go for hunting pigs yeah but here in california we have a really big pig problem and uh there's a pretty active hunting scene of pigs. So I really, I got into pig hunting about three years ago. So about three or four years ago, I moved from San Diego back up to the area where the ranch is. And once I moved up here, I went on a hunting trip with a friend in Texas and I killed a pig there. And I was like, oh, that was cool. That was a lot of fun. I enjoy shooting. So, you know, this is a way to use my skills. Mm-hmm. Well, when it, and at that same time, I had just moved back up here at the ranch this place that was the home of the uh, first, you know, three CrossFit games, I was driving in one day and I saw pigs right off the road. Well, it turned out we had a huge pig problem here. Um, So over the next year and a half, uh, at this point, we don't have a pig problem anymore. (laughs) So uh, yeah, I went on a big cleansing expedition, essentially, of uh, got a depredation permit for the property. And with that, with the depredation permit, you can hunt unlimited pigs whenever you want. And so took care of the pig problem. Also helped my neighbor with his pig problem. He has five, 600 acres. And recently there's another ranch nearby where they asked a friend to help out with their pig problem. He asked me to help him. And so I had this, we have this ranch that we hunt pigs on and it's a lot of fun. And and I was telling someone recently, around the same time I got into pig hunting, I got into the other style, you know, I got into turkey and deer and, but I've really just fell in love. I I really enjoy pig hunting because <laughs> well, it's just like you can do it 365 days a year. They're smart. They're tough. Yeah. They are really tough. Oh, I know. So they, I not to cut you off, but I saw somebody no, on no. Instagram. They showed shooting this pig right in the face and it still moved. It still like was going at it for like ever. Oh, yeah. They, that's a common occurrence. They're so they're, you You could get a pretty good shot on them. And if it's not a perfect shot. They're going to run away. They're going to get into the bushes and you're never going to find them. So um, crazy. And, they, and they just disappear in the brush. So yeah, 
I view myself now not as a hunter, but more of a just a, solely a pig hunter. Nice. That's where I find <laughs> most of my satisfaction. I, I also, because I was in the Navy for so long and with CrossFit, traveled basically the last 20 years of my life. I've traveled so you know, for both jobs I've had. Mm-hmm. I hate traveling now at this point. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, a lot of the good hunting and big hunting trips people do, you have to travel somewhere. And with the pigs that I hunt, it's all within like an hour drive. So yeah. I get all the fill of hunting I need from the pigs and and I really do. It's yeah. my thing. I enjoy it. So when you go hunting for other things, do you keep the meat? Like let's yeah, say- Yeah, and I do with, I do with a lot of the pigs, not all the pigs, the really, really big pigs. They don't uh-huh. taste good. Yeah. And then with a lot of the pigs I kill, I give them to my Mexican neighbors. Uh-huh. Who, um, I say I'm Mexican, so I can call them my Mexican neighbors. I say that because <laughs> they're like, like <laughs> hardcore, they're hardcore rodeo guys. Yeah. And so uh, they're from Mexico. They don't speak any English. And so um, that's why uh, I give them the pigs and they love it. Yeah, I because uh, I, I initially heard because I was like asking, you know, people if they eat. I was like, oh, yeah, yum, bacon. And they're like, no, you don't want to eat these. These pigs are like disgusting. But they did say that the younger pigs are actually fine. And then I guess with any meat, you know, if it's cooked properly. And then I guess also it just kind of depends on like how you were raised because, you know, I mean, you go to an Asian restaurant or an Asian grocery store and you're just like, dang, they eat like you know, duck feet and, or chicken feet. Oh yeah. And these guys, yeah, these guys eat every like piece and part of it. It's pretty crazy. I mean, they, I'll give them the pig and they're just like, the whole thing is being used. Wow. Um, Well, I mean, that's good. I I don't, yeah, it is good. I don't, I don't eat as much as they do of the pig. (laughs) Yeah. Well, so I'm supposed to go deer hunting for, I mean, this will be my first deer. The only thing that I've shot to date is an alligator. And even that I actually like had nightmares before and after (laughs) I felt so bad. Oh wow! I know, but I'm working on it. And, but I think like from now until then, when I go deer hunting, I am, I'm thinking about making a trip out to Texas and like maybe going pig hunting because that's something I wouldn't feel bad about. And I don't know. I mean, and because they're that's so a good mean idea. Too. That's a good idea. That's a good idea to practice on something like a pig and yeah. just get used to pulling the trigger on a live object yeah. prior to shooting Bambi. Yeah, I know. And <laughs> and I, I'm also kind of like, okay, well, a deer. So then I also have to mentally prepare myself because they're going to teach me like how to skin the deer and like, I guess, gut it or whatever, like dress it. And then I'm like, okay. And then I also have to figure out how to cook deer. Which I mean, I don't even really cook, so <laughs> I'm like, oh, this is gonna be a great yeah, I'm, adventure for you. I'm like, hello, Martha Stewart. Do you have a a hunting cookbook? <laughs> no, well, I'll just... there are plenty of hunting cookbooks out there now. Yeah, well, I figured I'd just like hit up my friend Julie Golub, you know, and because she's always like cooking stuff that she hunts. So at this point, and her stuff looks really good. So I'm like, okay, perfect. But yeah, so she's she's into CrossFit. Oh, is she? Yeah, I'm pretty sure she is. Yeah, I think Julie is. Huh. Yeah, I don't ask know. her. I might be speaking, might be misspeaking, but I'm pretty sure she is. Well, I know she was one of she was one of the people that commented on your post when you said that, you know, you were parting ways with CrossFit. It might be Don Jr. Yeah, I know. I saw that too. I was like, dang. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> I guess I'm very fortunate to have you on my podcast, my like, you know, level <laughs> D, like, you know, two <laughs> listener podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, funny um okay so wrapping it up do you have any future plans that you can share with listeners 
yeah, I'm going to get more active in this space for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, try work running some matches for sure. And just being associated with brands, being more active in the, the firearm industry in general. I couldn't really be too active before yeah. as active, let's just say, yeah. but I'm definitely going to lean in a little more now. And then there's some other things I have in mind, but, or can't really, again, at this stage, can't talk too much about one thing I do want to say from one of the initial questions you had was about shooting in California. It's crazy because people always talk to me about, you know, how do you shoot in California or how do you do any of the things you do? And I go to uh, USPSA matches here that uh, have like 150 people signed up every two weekends, pretty much every weekend I could go shoot at a match. Uh, a USPSA match every month. There's long range matches in various places. It's crazy because I don't think people understand how big the shooting sports are here in California, how yeah. big the shooting scene is in general. Uh, there are, and the rules are pretty over the top. There are a lot of like uh, significant uh, barriers to entry, especially getting some guns. Mm-hmm. But uh, if you if you're interested in shooting or if you want to get involved in the shooting sports or and you live in California, it definitely shouldn't discourage you because pretty much, you know, you can do every you can't have a suppressor at the range. Obviously, uh, there's things like that, but but you can you can get involved in any of the shooting sports and you can find a thriving scene here. So I like to tell that to people because I think we do, you know, our rules and our laws around shooting are really draconian, but we're still able to do these things. We're Mm -hmm. still able. And, you know, I do have to wait 10 days when I go buy a gun and I do have to go through all that, but I'm still able to get the guns. I'm still able to get the ammo. And so I just wanted to share that because I don't feel like I'm held back too much with the pursuits I'm in in regards to shooting. That's good. You're actually like most of my listeners come from California. (laughs) Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and you talk to a lot of the people in the industry, a lot of the big firearms manufacturers, they're like, yeah, a lot of, a lot of our sales come yeah, from California, obviously. Yeah, exactly. You're not wrong. What about if anybody wants to follow you on either page on Instagram, or if you have pages like on other social media outlets, where can they find you? So on my main Instagram, the big one is the Dave Castro. My uh, hunting one dedicated to hunting and shooting stuff is PDC Hunts. And then I do have a YouTube channel. I'm going through, <laughs> it was actually tied to my CrossFit account. So I'm working with them to get it back where I am starting to post a lot of videos, was starting to post a lot of videos, will continue to post a lot of videos around shooting, but that I need to get back from CrossFit and then I'll have that all worked out. Okay, nice. And is it just Dave Castro? Yeah, I think so. I got to, <laughs> I don't know if it's going to change. Okay. I don't know how that's going to work, but. Okay. We'll so, figure it out. But we do know it won't be Dave Castro CrossFit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It won't be Dave Castro at CrossFit. Yes. <laughs> All right. Moving forward. Caldwell. Caldwell just released the new Emax Shadow Pro hearing protection. The new Pro version of the Emax Shadows is a push-button control to adjust ambient sound amplification, volume level. You can answer phone calls. Charge on these lasts about six hours, and they come with a rechargeable storage case to recharge them for several times. Uh, multiple ear tips lets you find the perfect fit for your ear. You can achieve 25 decibel of ear protection, which is pretty high. 
I have a set. I really like them. I was actually surprised because I used them indoors. Normally, I don't use the earmuffs, but it was all I had. And I was like, all right, well, let's try these out. And I was actually really surprised because uh, they worked really well, whereas most electronic ear pro tends to not work as well. So if you want to check these out, head on over to caldwellshooting.com. Remember, if it's your first order, use the code GUNFUNNY10. That's all one word. And that's going to get you 10% off. Today in politics. Politics. What is going on in the world today? It's political AF. False denial from Nick's. Right now, a dangerous bill is gaining traction in the Senate. The Nick's Denial Notification Act would open criminal investigations into 100% of all background check denials from the Nick's system. While that doesn't sound bad on the surface, if criminals try to buy a gun, it should be investigated. The problem is most denials from the Nick's system are not actually criminals. And the really troubling thing is this bill has bipartisan support because they believe that the false narrative that only criminals are initially denied in the NICS system. A number of Republican senators are currently supporting this troubling bill. If we look at the actual numbers of NICS denials, the overwhelming majority are false positives. Only with cherry-picked data can any accuracy be claimed of the denials from the system. Freedom of Information Act, the FOIA, request shows the FBI records disprove their claims of denial accuracy in the system. First, 27.7% of Nick's denials were appealed and were overturned. Of the initial denials, only 6.6% of them are referred for additional investigation by the ATF. The remaining 93% of the initial denials did not meet guidelines for uh, persecution and were overturned later. At the federal level, less than 100 NICS denial cases are prosecuted per year. And then more than 9 out of 10 initial denials are false positives. Imagine if every single person now has a criminal investigation open on them where there's no justification for the denial to begin with. And I don't know if you've ever been with anyone who's gotten denied on a background check, but having my FFL and for a while I sold guns for a few years... And some people would get denied and it was something as simple as somebody out there had the exact same name and birthday, which I'm like, what are the chances? Or it could even be like, oh, if you had any sort of like traffic violations that you didn't pay or even child support, like things like that. I don't know. I think it's I think it's a little crazy. I mean, and let's face it, most criminals, they already know that they're not going to get approved. So they're probably not going to actually go into the store and buy a gun that way. That's not how they'll get their gun. I don't know. But if you guys, you know, have a problem with it, I would definitely recommend write to your representatives and tell them that it's ridiculous. If you have a X95, the Tavor, you need to check out the Optimus Polymer 4 and from Manicore Arms. The Optimus has the appearance of the original round 4 and for the X95, but it has M-Lock slots so that you can add your accessories wherever you want, and it's more rigid than the original, yet almost three ounces lighter and has two inches more length so that you can have a better forward grip on the gun. They work with both the OEM and Manicore Arms top rails, and it's ideal for 16-inch, 18-inch barrels or the 13-inch SBR with a suppressor. You can get them in black FDE or ODG to match the gun that you have. They're only $99.95, but remember, if you use the code AVARocks15, all one word, you're going to get 15% off. Q&A. 
There's no such thing as a stupid question. Just kidding. Visit gunfunny.com forward slash contact to submit yours. All right, today's question. So if you guys have a question for me, just head on over to gunfunny.com, click on the contact us form. Today's question is, have you had a chance to shoot the Masada tactical yet? Dave, have you had a chance to look at, um, so are, you're familiar with IWI products? Like the Tavor? And, no, I No? No, I haven't. Oh, okay. They have the pistol called the Masada, and that's been out for a few years. But at SHOT Show, they actually released the Masada Tactical. And when I saw that they were shipping one to me, it was like Masada with a T. And I was like, that's interesting because I already have a Masada, so I don't know. But then I saw that T, and I was like, oh, it must be a tactical version. I was expecting something a little different, but it's actually pretty much identical. In fact, it's totally identical, minus this one has a threaded barrel so you can suppress it. I have not had a chance to shoot it yet. I probably will this weekend when I head to the range. But I would imagine if you like the old Masada that you're going to like the tactical one. If And maybe it's not that important to you to have a threaded barrel. Like, you know, if you're like Dave and you live in California, then it probably isn't. Right. Right, Dave? Well, yeah, absolutely. And that <laughs> I wouldn't be I wouldn't be able to get any of those or that one at least in california any new pistol from like the last seven or eight years i think it is we can't get in california so the latest glocks we can get is a gen 3 and nothing else after that oh wow i always thought that yeah so i didn't know that but i knew i knew there was like a roster of firearms but i always just yep, thought that it. the manufacturer had to submit for it to you know be approved but i didn't know that nothing has been approved like in the last six years well, yeah, so that's the deal. There is exactly what you stated, a list and a manufacturer has to submit, but apparently they haven't approved anything. It, it might even be longer than six or seven years. So um, wow. so no new pistols are basically ever added to the California list. Damn. When you went yeah. to Shasha, were you just like, oh my gosh, now I can finally see all the new guns that have come out the last <laughs> couple of years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's kind of got I mean, that has to be tough though, because... You know, especially when something comes out and you're just like, man, I really wish I could just shoot it just to kind of see like what everyone, you know, what all the hype's about or, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. It's interesting, though, because like especially with my shooting, I'm very specific to like I'm not just a gun guy or a gun collector. I I have guns that I'm going to use for pig hunting or I have guns that I'm going to use for um, USPSA, a certain division or I have guns for long range. So I get really into the guns that have a specific purpose. Mm -hmm. But other than that, there's like, I don't geek out over all the latest and greatest guns outside of those realms. If there's the latest and greatest inside of that realm, yeah, I get get into it. But outside of my interests, I'm not too motivated by or interested in seeing. When you shoot these pigs, are you doing it on foot? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I, mean, I, I mean, and that's another part I enjoy is just like getting out and hiking and carrying your gear and uh, getting from point A to point B, that experience. And it's really beautiful terrain, yet rugged, rolling hills and isn't a lot that of kind climbing. Of, isn't that kind of scary, though? Because they, I mean, they're known for like attacking. Yeah, it's interesting. The other day I shot one and he went down and I walked up to him and I took my dog with me, who's a pig dog. She's bred to hunt pigs. I basically decided at an early, at an early age for her that she wasn't going to do that because she quickly became, oh yeah, and she has her own Instagram account. It's called Doug the Dogo. 
Um, <laughs> she became a family dog, a family pet. Uh-huh. And uh, she's like my companion. I spend every day with her. And so then I quickly decided, okay, she's not going to actually hunt the pigs because her job is they bite and hold the pig if you're going to um, hunt pigs with dogs, but those dogs get fucked up all yeah. the time. Yeah, so, exactly. So I decided it wasn't for her. That being said, when I go hunt them with rifles, I'll take her with me. So she gets the outdoor experience. So she was with me. I shot a pig, a big one. I walked up on it and he was down and she starts barking and the pig jumps up and starts coming at her. And I'm like five yards away. And uh, she's like jumping at the pig and jumping out. And for a split second, I, I contemplated, okay, I'm going to let her work the pig. I'm going to let her, you know, get some experience biting the pig and jumping back. And, but this guy was like almost 300 pounds, big old tusks. And I thought, okay, he's going to swipe his head and he's going to slice her. He's going to slice her open. So I was like, okay, this is a bad idea. And all this happened in like a second. I'm like, okay, this is a bad idea. And so I, I shot, shot him a couple more times and then he went down. Wow. But so I haven't been like charged. Um, well, actually, a couple months ago, I shot into a group of pigs and they started running and they're, they're, they're not known for having great vision. And a group of them ran straight at me. Oh, wow. And I shot at them and one of them at the last minute churned and went the other direction. But so, you know, if, if, if I'm looking for one in the brush, you get really cautious and you go really slow because mm-hmm. you hear a lot of stories of them rushing out and yeah. getting people. But I haven't had too bad of an experience yet. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Well, I'm glad your dog, I'm glad you made the right decision because I would have felt so bad if your dog <laughs> got hurt. Yeah. I'd have been in a lot of trouble. Yeah. With my family. Yeah. I could just imagine. <laughs> All right. So today in Tacti Talk. Tacti Talk. Discussing popular guns and gear. Love it? Hate it? Find out now. revolutionary concealed carry. A pretty wild new gun was introduced at SHOT Show this year from a new company called the Third Bay LLC. I didn't have a chance to see this gun. The gun's called the Ounce Oz, which weighs in at 8.5 ounces fully loaded and holds 10 rounds of 22 LR. When carried, it's folded and is 3.75 inches by 3 inches by 0.75 inches. So to deploy it, you point the red barrel away and hit a switch to unfold the spring-loaded handle, which joins the firing pin and trigger mechanism. Before it's unfolded, the mechanisms are not connected, so it's impossible to fire. 10 rounds of 22 lr are loaded in the top of the gun. The creator, Bill Osborne, was inspired to design it after a friend was assaulted that wasn't comfortable carrying a gun. What he came up with is very different from anything else on the market. The rounds are loaded pointing downward in the top at a pretty sharp angle. Reloads are definitely going to take time since it flips open on the side to load in individual rounds and there isn't like a traditional mag. And kind of looking at a picture of the internals, it looks super complicated, which I mean, if you've ever shot a 22, like as it is, 22s are like notorious for malfunctions. So I kind of just feel like this gun might be a slight recipe for malfunctions, but I could be wrong. And then empty shells eject through the bottom of the grip. The slide is completely enclosed within so that you can't rack it like a traditional sense, which that would also be kind of tough because I don't know how you clear the malfunction. Because I mean, again, 22s, they're notorious for, I mean, even if the gun works really well, 22s a lot of times just there could be a misfire. Like that's what they're mostly known for. 
I don't know. Uh, definitely innovative, but pretty complicated and very expensive. MSRP on this is $899, which is pretty freaking expensive for a 22. And then also the guns chambered in 22, which most people might frown upon. But Dave, have you had a chance to shoot the federal 22 that's made specifically for self-defense? Like I know they obviously have, have they have hollow point 22s. They've had it for a while, but this is supposed to be like, you know, better than most hollow points out there. Yeah, I saw that. I saw some uh, literature on it recently. I have not shot it. I'm a huge 22 fan, so I shoot. I shoot a lot of 22s actually for training and for practice for for long range and for uh, USPSA stuff, PCC. Mm-hmm. So I like 22s. I train a lot with them. If I think you know, you're talking about the reliability, especially with some of the. I have this JP 22. Mm-hmm. It's a two thousand dollar 22 AR. Okay. I mean, that thing runs well. Yeah. Uh, and then I don't know. Have you heard of a voodoo? A voodoo. Yeah. Um, so I have a couple of voodoos, and those those two are also like for a barreled action, it's nineteen hundred dollars. So I have a couple long range setups. The the, the twenty two gun. When I add everything up, it's probably you know an eight or nine thousand dollars setup. Oh but gosh. but they're huh. great, and they can shoot out to um, two three hundred yards accurately. I have not shot the federal ammunition, the self-defense ammunition, but I'm intrigued by it. Yeah. Actually, and I also I also shoot 22 WMR, 22 Magnum. Uh-huh. Um, I shoot a lot of squirrels here at the ranch with that because it just has a little more obviously power and and punch than than a regular 22 LR. Yeah, but big fan of big fan of brimfire. Totally with, support with the notion of it. With guns that expensive, do you have any misfires? I mean, so ultimately, I guess that would depend on the ammo. And I think some ammo is better than others. But typically, you well, know, no, I'm not having many misfires with these weapons. A little with the with the bolt action one, a little um, some feeding issues that's magazine specific related okay. to some bad mags uh-huh. with the JP. No, I mean, and as long as I feed it decent ammo and I use federal, obviously, and CCI, they send me some CCI stuff, too. And I've had good success with it all. And they sent me a wide variety. Pretty much all of it is running well through through these higher end twenty two platforms. Nice. Well, that's good to know. Okay, GSM Outdoors. Birchwood Casey not only makes great targets, but also has cleaning kits for handguns, shotguns, rifles. Gun Scrubber is a great one to throw in your range bag in case you have to do like a quick and easy cleaning. Another great product to keep in your range bag is the Lead Scrubber Hand Wipes. They're basically just like sanitary wipes, except they are specifically designed to remove that like vaporized lead from your skin after shooting, which is really important so you don't get lead poisoning. You can check these out along with all the targets and steel and stuff that they offer at birchwoodcasey.com. Remember to use the code GUNFUNNY20 for 20% off, and that is with all of the GSM outdoor brands. All right, today's AF segment. Stupid, funny, cool, interesting, awesome, as f- Never mind. AF. Dutch vows to egg super yacht. So the Dutch port of Rotterdam is home to a number of luxury yacht companies. <laughs> The Ocean Coast Shipyard is currently building a record-breaking yacht reportedly owned by former Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos. 
The 127-meter-long ship will be the largest sailing ship in the world and has three masts and is expected to cost more than $500 million. The masts on the ship are so tall, though, that it won't fit under a historic 130-foot high bridge on the way out to sea. The bridge is called the DHEF, and it was built in 1927 as a rail bridge with a middle portion that can be lifted to allow ships to pass under it, but Jeff's ship obviously is too big to fit. The bridge has been decommissioned since 1994 and was declared a national monument. Jeff wants it dismantled to get his ship out to sea, and locals are quite upset with the plan. Even though it would only be temporarily dismantled, locals are not pleased with the plan after promises to the Historical Society that the bridge would never be dismantled after a major restoration. An online backlash has started since the plan was announced in a Facebook event, which has over 13,000 people interested, is coming to, it's called, throwing eggs at the super yacht Jeff Bezos. As the organizer put it, calling all Rotterdams, take a box of rotten eggs with you and let's throw them in mass at Jeff's super yacht when it sails through the Hef in Rotterdam. What's kind of funny, though, is where the boat passes. It's about 240 feet from land. So, I mean, they're definitely going to have to throw pretty far. But <laughs> also, I mean, isn't that kind of dumb, though, to build a yacht where you know you can't get it to sea because there's a the bridge? I mean, that was kind of stupid to begin with. That makes no sense. Yeah. Yeah, that's ridiculous. This story, actually, this, this story is complete. Who wouldn't have thought of that when they're making it in the... Yeah. Location they're making it. In a way, I kind of can't blame like all the locals for being mad because I think I would just be like, oh, cool. So this guy just gets to call the shots because he has like a $500 million boat. And <laughs> I don't know. And I'm all about like preserving history and all the landmarks and stuff. I mean, granted, yeah, I'm sure that it would be put back together in its original form, probably. Who knows? But it is. I, the whole time that I was reading this article, I'm like, it's just dumb to like even build one in this little area anyways knowing that like it's not going to get out to sea i feel like there might be more to this story there probably is as with all (laughs) yeah yes yeah all right well it's time to wrap up there's no itunes reviews so guys what do you You do itunes reviews yeah like on what on well so do you have an iphone yeah okay so if you look on the podcast app and you just yeah. search for gun funny and then you scroll to the bottom and you could Oh, I review. thought you meant like I thought you meant like you did iTunes music reviews. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, I don't. was like, wow, you were gonna review some music too? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't get too excited on me now. <laughs> oh man, that would have been fun. Uh, I can only imagine. Although it's funny, so I'm going to the Gundies in I guess like 10 days. It's taking place in Texas. And Rachel, Rapid Fire Rachel, we're pretty good friends. And she told me last night when I was talking to her, she was like, yeah, I can freestyle rap. And I was like, what? And I was like, all right, this is something you're going to have to do when we get together. And she's like, I'm going to do it. (laughs) That's cool. That's super cool. Definitely something I can't do. No. Yeah, I can't do that either. Oh, it's so bad. I could barely even sing a song that, you know, like a a pre-written song with rap lyrics. (laughs) I can't talk fast enough, I guess. (laughs) Anyways, guys, it's time to wrap up. You can find me at gunfunny.com. There's links to everything, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, iTunes, iHeartRadio. 
If you want to support the show, you should strongly think about becoming a Patreon. You get access to our Patreon-only Facebook group, which is a lot of fun. You also get a chance to get a Patreon-only patch after becoming a Patreon for just three months. And you also get entered into a Blown Deadline giveaway. Blown Deadline does amazing Cerakote jobs. He gives away $300 gift certificates every month to a lucky Patreon also wanted to thank the $25 Patreons who are Corbin Bonafide, Iraq Veteran 8888, Sake Holsters, Justin Paulson, Jason Anderson, Sportsman's Guide, Daniel Treadwell, Keith Callamore, and Melissa Ridings. King of the Patreon is still Jon Snow. Dave, thank you so much for all of your time and hard work. And, Thanks uh, a lot, Ava. Of course. And I'm excited to see, you know, where the future takes you. So Awesome. Thank you. And maybe we'll, you know, see each other at another federal event here, hopefully soon. Yeah, I hope so. That'd be fun. Yeah. All right. Just remind people once again, where they can follow you on social media. At the Dave Castro, at TDC Hunts. And since I mentioned my dog, you can follow my dog at Doug the Dogo. Okay, perfect. And on that note, we are out of here and I will see you guys next week. Want to send feedback? Tell us about a company or anything else. Go to gunfunny.com forward slash contact. <laughs>